welcome to the Real Appeal Podcast. This is your host, Kelsey Loisel, and with me today is my esoteric dichotomy of a friend and co-host. Mark Salcedo, that's a lot of big words. <laughs> okay, esoteric. I've heard that word, but I don't exactly know the, uh, the definition of that word. Understandable only by an enlightened inner circle. Mm-hmm. I am often enlightened. No, you are only understandable mm-hmm. by an enlightened circle. Oh, cult leader. Got it. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe that. I have cult leader personality. <laughs> A classification into two opposed parts or subclasses. What? <laughs> Meaning basically like you fit into two different, more than one category. Oh, okay. Okay. Is it because I'm I'm multiracial? No. Oh. Hi, everybody. <laughs> This is the multiracial Mark Salcedo. I said that earlier. <laughs> um, this week, you know, we've got our usual social plug stuff, mm-hmm. which is like Facebook and Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I didn't forget any of those. No. The real appeal. Um, oh, that's how they something new, a new social media I know, site. I like, Create it. We're not on Tumblr. Yeah. <laughs> Who the fuck uses Tumblr anymore? I don't Shit. know. <laughs> um, that's the real appeal with two E's and real. Um, and then also you can email us at therealappeal at gmail.com. Um, if you could pretty please review us on iTunes. Uh, the more you review, the more we get noticed. Um, and our segments for this week's show. We've got variety time. You can you can say the title of that. Uh, this variety time is titled "Fuck Bloodshot." <laughs> <laughs> um, I wonder what that one's going to be about. Yeah, I wonder. Hmm. <laughs> uh, rebooting Westworld and our geriatric cinematic is going to be 1993's Ninja Scroll. <sighs> I, I I was so thrilled to show you this anime. I couldn't read you while while you're watching it. I think because you're you seem kind of tired. I was kind of tired, but I get into like this mode when I'm watching new things sometimes mm. where I just want to sit back and take it in. Mm, okay. Also, like I noticed that sometimes like if I watched it by myself, I wouldn't have enjoyed it because like, oh, okay. gotcha. like I have to be around someone who really enjoys it and to kind of get their nuanced behavior towards it to mm, really okay. understand sometimes. Otherwise, m- I put... That, that wall I usually put up towards other people, I, I kind of do that to, like, watching things, <laughs> you, you put walls up against movies. I do. Like, I'll be sitting there, and I'm just like, I don't really care. Why should I care about this? Um, and so sometimes I, like, I'll sit back and try to take in as much as I can. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that, that creates the wall because I'm trying to take it in while also not enjoying it because... I'm trying to absorb it as opposed to let it entertain me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but don't worry. Okay. <laughs> because I didn't fail. You didn't fail? I didn't fail at oh, okay. watching it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll, um, we'll find out what Kelsey's thoughts are uh, when we get up to that segment. Oh, um, the topic this week is uh, anime at its finest. Um, parentheses, it's anime, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> As Kelsey wanted me to 
call he, this that's episode. That's why he had his placeholder topic sentence. I was like, why don't you just use that one? He's like, no. Yeah. Because I'm a scaredy cat. Yeah. It says uh, I'm, a, I'm a constant scaredy cat. Even though I get on the show, I like swear up a storm and say, you know, harmful things like fuck kids or whatever. <laughs> my, my mom's like, don't say that, Mark. Don't, don't say that, please. I'm like, okay, mom, don't listen to my show then. <laughs> I think she like listened to one episode, and that was like it. She's like, "Why did you say that?" I know. It's like I don't need to hear him talk like this. I think I'm fine. <laughs> All right, um, let's get on to our rebooting Westworld. Don't you mean variety time? Oh yeah, sorry. There wasn't like a whole lot there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then let's get on to variety time. <laughs> This week, we've got Fuck Bloodshot, as Mark so eloquently put it, and he has a whole lot to say about this movie that I did not see. Okay, so let me just preference this. I'm going to spoil the shit out of this movie because this movie, The Bear of the Lead, is fucking garbage. Complete, utter garbage. And... I didn't come into this movie thinking it was going to be like a cinema masterpiece. I thought it was going to be at least entertaining, s- somewhat entertaining. I don't, I don't hate on Vin Diesel like some people do. Like I like him in his Fast and Furious movies. I enjoy him in his Riddick films, uh, one and three, and you know he, he had a great, great, um, a great performance in Steven Spielberg's uh, Saving Private Ryan, even though his role was very small. But it was good. The dude has like he has potential acting chops. However, I saw Bloodshot. Yo, the first like ten minutes, I thought, "Wow, this movie is this movie's this movie's gonna be bad." It's some, you know how you just get that feeling. You're like, you know, it's the whole like Han Solo thing, the Star Wars thing. I have a very I have a bad feeling about this. Mm -hmm. That's how it was when I was watching. I was like, "Okay, this is really stupid." It's like it's not making sense. So first, once you get that feeling, mm -hmm. it's all over. Yeah, and normally, like I, I don't go into movies thinking they're going to be bad. I give them, uh, what's it called? A little bit of you give them a fair shake. Give them a fair shake. I give them room to like maybe there's a mess up. There's an even if I think there's or maybe it's not supposed to make sense. Yeah, I thought it was actually going to be like a dumb action film. You know, like let's say. I say bad bad boys for life. That's like a dumb action film. Fast and Furious films are like dumb action films, but there's a level of entertainment to it. This one was so fucking frustrating to watch. Like, and don't get me wrong, I'm I'm not a I'm not a Bloodshot fan. Hell, I'm not even a Valiant fan. The comic book company that does Bloodshot. Mm-hmm. However, I did kind of did I did like a quick read up on the character, mm-hmm. and I was like, all right. I like this concept. All right, cool. This uh, soldier who can never die because he has like billions of nanites in his body that like instantly restores him and he comes back from any wound or whatever. All right, cool. And even like the trailer. <sighs> I'm a sucker for a good trailer. And the trailer looked good for me. And I think one of the reasons why it did look good for me is that there was a, um, they used a Johnny Cash song. Mm-hmm. And I love Johnny Cash. And I'm like, all right, that's, that's a clever way to use a Johnny Cash show. All right, I'm behind it. That's why I got suckered in to go and see Terminator Salvation. <laughs> <laughs> and then plus, like, Guy Pierce is in it. And I love Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce is a phenomenal actor. His independent stuff is great. 
I don't know why he has the need to be in these shittiest sci-fi movies. So, to start off, he, Vin Diesel's supposed to be like this super badass, like, soldier. You know, jinguistic and all that kind of stuff. America and stuff like that. No lie. First five minutes of the movie, he has to wear his fucking wife beater. He just rips open his shirt and brah, wife beater like that. I'm like, oh, look, it's Vin Diesel. Exactly. I'm like, yo, dude, you couldn't like, like, I don't want to see this shit. I don't. Right. Now it's just like, all right. So he's going to see this girl. Who's this girl? I'm a, I'm a, I guess it's his wife, even though for all I know, it could have been his favorite call girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever. Then he gets his wife. He's uh, him and his wife are kidnapped. They're bringing, brought into like this storage freezer and everything. And this guy, you know, it's like, he's a meat locker. It's like typical movie bullshit, right? Uh, cliche movie bullshit. They even make a joke about within the movie that that scene is a cliche. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, okay, they're even making yourself aware that this is bullshit. Even though this scene is supposed to be like a dramatic scene. This is when he sees his wife shot. This is when he becomes bloodshot. Oh, my God. No, they even point to it. The people within the movie point to it and go like, yeah, that's cliche. All right. So then his wife gets killed. He gets killed. He gets brought up. He gets brought back from the dead. And Guy Pierce gives him the tour and everything, right? First of all, when he's at this location, this secret location, they establish that he's like a billion dollar project, right? And But yet he does not know the limits of his powers at all. Normally, if you write like a story where someone gets a superpower, there's a little bit of like explanation. Your powers are only so limited or you can go this far, whatever. The only test of his limit it's him punching a fucking pillar. Punching a pillar. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> and cutting his hand. That's it. I mean, if I cut my hand and it heals up and I'm punching like a pillar, I'm not going to think, oh, I must be fucking bulletproof. Yeah. Or survive a, a truck crash, which he does later on. So then, my God, I'm just getting so heated already. <laughs> he remembers what happened. He remembers what they want him to remember. And he leaves the facility, right? First of all, this, like I said, Vin Diesel is supposed to be this badass mercenary who's maybe like strategic in his moves and whatever and tactical and all that stuff. Never one in his his character's mind did he think, wait, why are they leaving me, letting me leave this facility? I'm a billion dollar project. They should be sending every fucking guard that they have. Mm -hmm. But no, I'm going to go and get revenge, brother. Like that. Then proceeds... One of the it it's an action set piece, and you've seen it in the trailer, folks, where he's like in a tunnel and everything like that, and he's supposed to be like super. Oh, actually, whoop, rewind. I completely forgot something. They introduced several people who are who are in that organization with Vin Diesel. People who have suffered like life altering injuries. Like there's a dude who gets his legs blown off, whatever, and he gets like those um those like mechanical legs. They're kind of like springs or something like that, which is kind of cool they go back to they use they go back to that later where he he can run pretty fast makes sense then there's like one dude who lost his eyesight so they give him a harness so he can see everything around him and it's connected to his optic nerve so it's like why do they put in a harness why not just give him new fucking eyes like why didn't they just give him like why didn't just give him eye like a visor or something like that mm-hmm. it makes no fucking sense I have to set up like an action scene later, which 
it pays off in a poor manner. Then he like, so he meets, he meets, uh, what's her name? Isa Gonzalez. She played Darling in Baby Driver, right? Mm-hmm. Now, she wasn't like the standout performance of Baby Driver, but I can see her having a lifetime in Hollywood. She's very pretty. You know, she's very young. They give her like, apparently she like, she was like a Navy diver or something like that. They don't even go into that much. But apparently something happened where like she almost died under underwater. So they thought, well, we'll just give her the ability to breathe underwater. And then what? <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this facility doesn't come off as people who like want to like do only underwater missions or anything like that. It's just like, what the, ugh, God, what the fuck? Anyway, he goes off. He goes to find this killer, right? This guy who killed his wife. Okay, obviously, the whole information has been falsified, right? To him, like, they, they put this whole scenario in his head. They upload it and whatever. This dude ex- uses the internet to find this motherfucker, right? Yet, throughout all the internet, when he tried to find this data, he didn't put two to two together and think, wait, why is this dude profile said he's a, a, an internet geek or an, a, a, a web, oh, what's it called? A, a data geek or whatever. Mm-hmm. So why am I remembering him as, like, this mercenary killer guy? Yeah. Like, he didn't put, like, this this dude with this vast billion-dollar knowledge doesn't put two and two together. It's fucking annoying. So he goes after him, and and then becomes, then starts up, like, this action set piece that makes no fucking sense. Where, like, he, like, corners everybody in this fucking tunnel. And the mercenaries that are used to protect Toby, Toby Kebbell's character... Is the are the worst mercenaries in the world. Ben Diesel blocks their path in front of him using a dump truck, using a truck that happens to be filled with fucking flour. That does like, did he like, did he find this truck randomly? He was like, okay, that's that's the truck I'm gonna get. Or or, or was the truck filled with DVD and TVD, DVD and TV combination not available from fucking Fast and Furious? It's so fucking stupid. <laughs> and like. The flower, the the flower kind of explodes all over the place, and there's all this white powder and stuff like that. Which I don't know. I guess gives him the reason to give him his white skin, because in the comic books, Bloodshot has like pale white skin. And yeah, yeah, it washes yeah. off. Yeah. The fuck? Okay. Oh god. Anyway, so then like the mercenaries are cornered, and like I'm sorry, they're not cornered. Their pathway in the front is blocked. They don't. They for some reason they don't think. Hey, let's go back up. Like, let's back up this convoy. Because this is obviously a fucking trap. No, they get out the code to like find out what happened. Nigga, you're gonna fucking die. Oh god. Yeah, so that happens. Then happens like this gunfight that mind you, it did look cool. But that was it. That was like the only thing. Like, if you've seen the trailer, no, actually, crap, scratch that. Most likely this will end up online somewhere. It's not like you're gonna say crap that. Yeah, crap that. <laughs> Most likely this is gonna end up online, this gunfight. Watch it, watch it online, and then that's it. Just turn off. Just don't ever watch this fucking movie. Ever. Mm-hmm. Fucking ever. Okay. He does his mission. He fucking... He kills this guy and whatever, and they shut him down. And then they wake him up again and respo- restart the whole process. But there's no time frame. Like, after he does all of this shit, it's like, okay, he goes down, and now the next day. Mm-hmm. And then they redo the whole thing again. So I'm thinking... Wait, are they just having everybody replay this whole fucking thing every fucking day? Like, no break, no window break, no three-day, one-week break or some shit like that? Yeah. It's a, 
And then also these people in the facility. First of all, Guy Pierce was the only one in command, right? At no point, nobody went, hey, we are killing these innocent fucking these innocent computer engineers. We should probably stop this. Like at, like, at all. And even, like, guy, you figure, like, a guy like Guy Pierce, like, this character would have, like, an army behind him mm-hmm. for anybody, anybody who, like, disobeys him? No. They wouldn't do at least controlled testing before they just, here, have fun. Well, apparently he killed, like, three people before this, before, like, the movie started. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so he's on, like, by the time he kills Toby Kill, I think he's on his third kill, or maybe his fourth kill, as being bloodshot. So have they, <laughs> so that goes into, like, have they been doing this for like four days straight? And has nobody gone like in like the authority has never gone. Why are these engineers being killed? And these like incredibly vindictive manner yeah. at all. So then enters like another guy. He goes after another guy. And then they, they bring in this one actor. His name is uh, Lamorne, Lamorne Morris. He was on that show. Uh, what's that show with... Um, that actress, she she has a si- I know right. She has a sister. Um, she's all cutesy and shit like that. Oh, uh, I'm drawing fucking IMDb. Yo, I just want to let you guys know that I, the new IMDb format is fucking dookie right now. The only sister that's cutesy that I can think of. Are you talking about like new girl actor? Yeah, that that show, new girl. Okay, the black guy from New Girl. There you go. That's the show. Okay. Okay. That 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 dude, right? Now he's kind of funny, but his his comedy starts wearing the fuck out super fast. Right. Like I think his name is Coach on the show. On New Girl? No, his name is Winston. Winston. Oh. Yeah. Um. So Winston is able to drop like an EMP pulse to put down to stop Bloodshot after Bloodshot has already killed this guy. Okay. This dude does EMP shuts down Bloodshot. Apparently, his EMP is so fucking power powerful it wipes out an entire city including where the facility is at holy shit i know right and it's like wait a minute okay this facility that created this unstoppable killer is in the same neighborhood as these fucking engineers that they're killing mm. <laughs> like hey go go down the street and go kill this guy for me real quick that's what that's how i'm picturing that's all i'm fucking picturing and Apparently, like, they don't have backup technology or whatever to, like, restart their, their all their information to get to find Bloodshot because they lose connection. And Bloodshot is, like, doing whatever he wants or whatever. And, and finally, at one point, he, like, leaves to go find to go find out if his wife is actually really dead, which you can see coming a mile away that his wife's not really dead. Mm-hmm. At no point did he go, let me just look up her information online since I have the technology to do such a thing. No, he goes to her house and he's like surprised that she's married with two kids already. <laughs> and it's been five years. So she moved on really fucking fast. Oh, yeah, really fucking fast. Like she like. It, it, and another thing, there's supposed to be like, I guess this type of like. um, uh, What's it called? Like between like a male male actor and, a, and an actress. Uh, chemistry. Between, yeah, it's supposed to be a chemistry between Vin Diesel and Azia Gonzalez, right? I don't know what it is. Vin Diesel can't have chemistry with anybody. Like, at all. Even his chemistry with Michelle Rodriguez, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not there. It's not existent. He doesn't have chemistry at he, all. He doesn't have chemistry. You know what? He has chemistry with men. Maybe that's saying something. <laughs> he was pretty close with Paul Walker. That's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't I mean, see No, anything. what I'm saying, yeah. He, he's one of those people that he'd, he'd rather have a bro connection uh, than a romantic one. I think that actually kind of goes back into, like, his D&D days. 
because he was like a hardcore D&D player. Like, like Vin Diesel is actually his D&D character's name. Oh. And I know like in those circles, they become really tight and really close. You know, prime example, Stranger Things. Um, just going off of that. <laughs> um, so he has that real connection with like his fellow man and stuff like that. But like, I don't like I don't any movie I've seen him interact with another female. It ain't fucking there. No, it ain't fucking there. Okay, so he gives this guy some of his nanites to like to to like cut off their signal so he can like control his own everything whatever. Then he goes back to the facility and they, here becomes it's surprisingly the most boring action set piece near the end with horrible CGI. That's like PS3 level graphics. Maybe PS4 level graphics. But it looks like garbage. Like I think the budget for the movie was over 45 million dollars. The effects from the invisible man looked better than this. Mm-hmm. And that budget was like eight million dollars. The budget from Upgrade looked way better than this. Yeah. And that budget was like two million dollars. This shit looks fucking bad. Yeah. And apparently, like the dude, um, so when he gets to the facility and starts like fighting off the only two guys he really needs to fight, this facility doesn't have an army behind him. He has two fucking guys he has to fight. Right? He fights the blind guy, which is guy's kind of funny. He fights a blind guy. Yeah. He fights a blind guy that apparently is really good with a knife, which they never fucking like really tapped into at all. And the dude with the legs, who apparently can have a mech, like mech arms connected to him, which they never went into at all in the comic or I mean in the movie at all. And becomes one of the most boring action set pieces with horrible effects Mm. to the point where I was just like, yeah, I need this movie to end. I need this movie to fucking end. You're so serious about it. You're out of breath. I'm out of breath. I'm out of fucking breath. And then finally comes the, um, during this whole fight scene, all that kind of stuff, like his nanites are like, are an overdrive. The black guy's like watching the nan. Oh God, shit. I just, okay. The black guy's watching his nanites kind of like burn out and whatever. At one point he's finally going to confront Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce shoots a, like a grenade launcher at him. He catches it. It explodes, explodes his body. But he's able to put his body back together because the nanites. The nanites are slowly dwindling away. Guy Pierce has a mechanical arm, which they never fucking get into why he has a motherfucking mechanical arm. Mm-hmm. Like, at all. Like, he gets to the history of why everybody else is fucked up. Or why everybody else has these um, mechanics on them. But never about him. Yeah. I'm sorry. They do. But it's fake. He even says it's not real. <laughs> like, not the arm, but, like, his story is not real. So, I'm like. So, tell us the real story. Yeah. Or, why do you have it? <laughs> <laughs> And um, and then what happens next is like Guy Pierce like is able to see that his his nanites are dwindling, so he gets another grenade launcher, fires it at him, and then but this time like the nanites like dismantle the grenade, which doesn't make any sense. I would wait the nanites gonna fucking do that now? It, 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 the, the movie there you go. The movie starts giving him OP. Oh, he they make him OP overpowered, and it's just like that makes the whole thing fucking boring. Mm. So th- back to what was that? The smell of the grenade. Vin Diesel gets to him. Guy Pierce is like, ah, now you're human because all his nanites are gone. Puts his robotic arm on his neck, gonna choke him out. Vin Diesel like has a grenade, and then he's just like, I don't know, family Corona or something like that. <laughs> he doesn't say that, but that's all. That's all I can think of him saying. <laughs> Drops it, explodes, mm. explodes, and f- between him and Guy Pierce. 
Cut to black. Smash cut back in. Vin Diesel is put back together. Ha-da-da! Like, that's it. <laughs> and not only, like, this is like a billion-dollar corporation. He's a billion-dollar project. Takes years and years to probably reconstruct his body or whatever. Whatever happened to him. Or to even bring him back to life. Yet, he's brought back to life when Wilford, the black guy, puts him back together on the back of a Winnebago. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he's like, oh, are you going to show if that was you? He's a British accent. Oh, I'll show if that was you. Yeah, I was doing all this. What don't you want? Like, fuck, man. <sighs> he's brought back. He's brought back. It makes no sense. He just, he just, he's just brought back? Isaiah Gonzalez is waiting for him outside the Winnebago with his fucking, fucking, not, it's not fake, but it's so cliche, sunshot, I mean, sunset mountain on top of a mountain shot, whatever, in the back of a, the, and the, 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 the Winnebago is being pulled by a Dodge pickup truck or some shit like that, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, he says something about like, he doesn't have a, I don't have a pass now, so all I have to do is look forward, blah, 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 you know, all that kind of stuff. And then that's it. The movie's over. That's it. Okay. I got so fucking angry. <laughs> I went on Twitter and I was like, yo, Vin Diesel, give back my hour and 49 minutes back. <laughs> Fuck this movie. It's, I, I can't believe this movie. This movie got released in theaters. I think it was there for like a week before the coronavirus hit. Mm-hmm. And it got released on, on VOD. I don't know why this movie got released at all. I, it, this movie maybe deserves to be on Sci-Fi Channel. Well, they're trying to make some of their money back that they lost. Yo, I don't. I, I I saw that it got beat the shit out of on the on Rotten Tomato. I think it's like a twenty percent or something like that. It is, it is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And I was, I did not rent it. I did not pay to rent it. I fucking I downloaded it, and I fucking I I want to scrub my hard drive now if this fucking stank. <laughs> so. I mean, all in all, seriously, like, fuck Bloodshot. I wouldn't even say, like, oh, put it on. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even say to put it on, like, while you're, like, folding laundry or anything like that. Because you're going to sit down and start watching it and just get so frustrated. But, like, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. Why do they say that? Holy shit, that acting's horrible. Yeah. I mean, except for Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce says the shit out of everything. But, man, he couldn't save this fucking movie. Mm. So, I don't know what... It- Vin Diesel can't he can't he can't start a franchise without a team. That's what their tagline should be. Vin Diesel can't start a franchise without a team. No, <laughs> so bad even Guy Pierce couldn't save it. <laughs> even like even Guy Pierce's movie, um, what's it called Space Jail. I mean, it's not called Space Jail, but it's it's something of the sort. Um, oh, I gotta find that fucking movie. Even that movie's not too bad. Where he's like, it's like a. Escape from New York s type space movie mm-hmm. directed by Luc Besson, and even I can kind of get behind that movie because that's like that's bad good, that's a bad good. I can't find that fucking movie. I forgot who's in the road. Holy shit! You were talking. You were talking to me about it uh, when we did Escape from New York. Yeah, I can't remember the space lock, lockdown. It's called lock. I think it's called lockdown. I think it's called lockdown. Let's call it lockdown for now. Well, I mean, we're in a lockdown. So yeah, well yeah. Call it lockdown. Maybe we should do lockdown. 
No, this is a bad movie. Never mind. <laughs> that one's not good, bad. <laughs> See, yeah, it's not good, bad. At least, like, some of the movies, like, Killer Clowns is, like, good, bad. But so you say. I think the best part was the black biker. <laughs> it's called Lockout. There you go. It's called Lockout. Yeah. I kind of want to watch it. Because <laughs> this is so, like, bad, good. Or good, bad. You just said it wasn't good, bad. No, no, no. Like, good, bad, but not, not enough to, like, talk about it on the podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah. It is like, this is ridiculous. But whatever. It's fun. I like Bloodshot, which is a piece of shit garbage movie. Yeah, it was. And I didn't even watch it. Fuck! I am lucky. God. And you know what? And I would, sometimes I, I, find, I try to find some merit in a bad movie. To mm-hmm. be like, maybe Kelsey, like, for example, okay, like, for example, Meet the Feebles. Mm-hmm. Like, I showed you that, and I was like, I just want to see, I want you to see when, when Peter Jackson didn't give a fuck. But you weren't, like, watching it with me, either. You were watching it next to me by yourself. Like, we weren't engaged in it together like we uh, were in, like, how bad um, that fucking Disney movie with the dog balls was. With the dog balls? Disney movie with the dog balls? What's it called? The lady with Oh, um, uh, uh, Mary Poppins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People are going to be like, Mary Poppins with dog balls? What? <laughs> Just watch it, folks. You'll see it. <laughs> The original one, not the new oh, one. Oh, yeah, the sequel. That's actually considered a sequel. That's, I'm just like, why did they make this movie? Yeah. Other than money. Um, like, why did they make Bloodshot? But we were like, that one was bad, and we were still watching it together. But I think, like, Meet the Feebles, you were engaged in it with by yourself. Because you're like, I love this movie. So yeah. you're just, like, watching it. Yeah. And so we weren't watching it together. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I can rectify that, but I was watching it together. Uh, Again. No. <laughs> Why not? Make the feebles. You got one shot. Make the feebles. Oh, that's before we did the podcast. Ordinary people. Make the feebles. <laughs> oh, man. I love that movie. It's a beautiful film. Beautiful. Anyway. Yeah, that's... I mean... Don't, I mean, if you guys haven't watched it, don't watch it. Watch it's, it's 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 shit. It is... Man, I fucking hate that movie. I'm getting heated again just thinking about that fucking... Well, I've been heated this entire time. But to the point where I'm like, yo, fuck this. I'm going to bed. <laughs> oh, this is how bad it, this is how mad I was. This is how fucking mad I was when I got, when I got done watching it. Normally if I watch something bad, I need a palate cleanser. I'm thinking, then you know what? Let me go and watch We Watch the Shadow. We, uh. What we, we do in, in the shadows? Yeah, what we do in the shadows. Is that, that's the one with the vampires, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that, that little commercial that they have. Which one? With the sunscreen. Oh, yeah. like. Full protection from the sun. Yeah, it just like dumps the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, and I, I started like watching this series. I was like, you know what? Let me let me go and watch what we do in the shadows. I like it. I I was I watched like five minutes of it. And I was getting fucking mad at it. I was like, fuck this. Why am I watching this shit? And I'm like, you know what? Going to bed. I think I got that way with Going something uh bad omens or good omens or something. Oh, the one with um, yeah. I was trying to watch Michael it, Shannon and David Tennant, right? Yeah, and I tr- I think I had watched something else before that, or I was in a weird mood, and I just never could get into it because I wasn't in the right frame mm. of mind. But I'm sure that one's probably very good. From my <clears throat> from my understanding, it is good. Um, I I just I, I think I watched like the first episode, and I just never I never finished it. Mm. But from what I heard, it's good, and it's, and it's David Tennant, and Michael Shannon. Those, those dudes are great actors. Yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway, that so, yeah. wasn't a sarcastic cough. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Sorry, <laughs> I wasn't like, yeah, it's good. <laughs> no, it's not. No, no, it's good. It's good. It's good. <laughs> I like Bloodshot. Fuck that movie. 
Yeah. All right. No uh, sarcastic cough. And I was like, that's my last time talking about Bloodshot. No, it's not. Fuck that movie. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's what you said about Star Wars. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> the next day, I sat and I thought about it. I was like, which one? I which movie would I rewatch? Bloodshot or Rise of Skywalker? And honestly, I would eat my own shit. <laughs> <laughs> no i don't i I would probably i don't know because what watching rise of skywalker it's like getting it's like this is this is a, a cliche term or it's a stupid term but it's like i got punched in the childhood mm-hmm. i kind of feel like i did because since i i mean you people listening know how much i love star wars and this was just like a punch in the my childhood's dick Watching that movie. That explains a lot. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> just <laughs> okay. And Bloodshot, I, I was. I have no. Maybe. Maybe Rise of Skywalker. I probably would rewatch it. But I probably would just like hate watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If I had to, I probably would just hate watch Skywalker. Like, fuck this. Fuck this, man. Fuck you, J.J. Abrams. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but from here on out. The only thing I will ever watch with Vin Diesel ever again is something is is if the title has Fast and Furious in it. <laughs> that that's it. And don't say fucking what about Guardians? No, that don't matter. He just says I'm Groot. Like that's yeah, it. he's not acting in that one. He's yeah, just he's not acting a that. voice actor. Yeah, and we're never gonna get like a fourth uh, Richard uh, a Riddick movie. We'll never get a fourth movie. So I ain't worried about that. Why? The third one didn't do so well. That's another. That's another franchise. Most of to. his shit doesn't do well, and he keeps getting put in them. I mean, like fucking Xander Cage and all that shit. Oh man, I I you know I've never watched those Triple X movies like at all. They're two thousands. Oh, they serviceable. Like they are of that time. They have like weird, weirdly placed relationships and like weird dress codes and like. How's the chemistry? Between Vin Diesel and whatever love interest, not, not there. <laughs> he is horrible. It has one of my favorite bad guy villains. Mm-hmm. Um, he played in Prison Break. I think I think that's. Oh, him. Uh, I know who you're talking about. He's like British, right? I think so. Uh, I think so. Unless I'm getting him confused, which is very possible. The younger brother, the one who got his older brother out. Neither one of those guys. Oh, oh you talking about um, what's his name? Balsack, teabag, or some shit? Is that what? He, he has like a, a witch kind of face. Yeah, yeah, it's teabag. <laughs> I only remember because I'm like teabag. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I don't think that's the same actor though. I oh, think, okay, I don't. Yeah. Know. I don't know. That's the I only? get them confused. The the actors. Mm-hmm. Uh. There's there's uh, another guy. He always has long hair too, and he has like a. Oh, I have no idea. I didn't, I didn't watch that show. Okay. I, maybe I did. I think I watched like t- a season. I watched a couple of seasons of that show and it made me my anxiety so bad. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm done watching the show. Like, you're never going to get a, you know, fucking get out of jail. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of you guys. Now you guys are on the run and every single episode you're going to get caught and then you don't miraculously don't yeah. get caught. So, no. <laughs> it's prison break until they got out of jail. Now it's just break. <laughs> That's it. Break Kelsey's mind. Break Kelsey's mind. Um, 
All right. So yeah. we're done with Bloodshot. Yes, ma'am. So now we're going to do Rebooting Westworld. Bring yourself back online. The Mother of Exiles is the name of this week's episode. It is directed by Paul Cameron. Um, and everybody's back. <laughs> yeah, and everybody. Everybody's everybody. back. Yeah. Okay. I think we should save the revelation for last. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Let's let's talk. Actually, you know what? Yes, let's talk about that because I got some I got some information about that whole revelation. Plus another another thing that adds into like um, a question I kept asking uh, about William. About William. Yeah. Remember that part. Remember that part of uh, Westworld. Where I was just like, are they ever going to explain what happened in season two for William? Oh yeah yeah yeah. Okay. So okay. So you want to go ahead and kick it off? Okay. Um, I don't. You know what? I have a little bit of an issue with Dolores. Okay. And I don't know what it is, but I hate the fact that they keep pulling her hair back and slicking it back. Well, because that means that girl's serious. She's ready to get. Sh- she's ready to get some shit done. I don't. I don't like. She's really unattractive that way. Really. Like really manly. Like okay. she looks like very military. I think that's the thing. I think that speaks to her character, especially how she's evolved over time. She was this very farmer's daughter kind of personality, long hair flowing in the wind and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then when she essentially got like, um, when she realized who she was, it, the hair slowly got pulled back. <laughs> I, I mean, I get it. Uh, it's just meh. Okay. And then, which kind of brings me to this one and i know you know which one i'm talking about when mm. um her and aaron paul's character yeah are like beating the shit out of some guy in broad daylight <laughs> yeah that was actually kind of funny it's like she wants to get caught and, and or she, maybe she doesn't care to get caught she doesn't care anymore like does mm. she think that she's kind of above reproach already or yeah that that was a kind of a um, a weird move where um where in order for her to kind of get this money from, um, to kind of essentially do this somewhat bank heist uh, uh, towards uh, Liam Dempsey, um, she, her and Aaron Paul, Caleb, are walking down this area and she bumps into this guy and she's like, hey, I recognize you, blah, blah, blah. And then she like just kind of like, she like punches him, right? Or like you know, She grabs him and like shoves him really hard against the wall. Yeah, and he passes out. And it is like in broad day, daylight and I was like, Yo, did someone not notice that? Like, it's L.A. And she, yeah, and then she just gets blood from him. Yeah. And this weird thing where she just injects it straight into Caleb. Yeah, I okay. So I have I'm I'm of two I'm of two thoughts with that. One that was actually kind of cool because it really shows how the future. It's a display of the future of like security and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But second time they didn't really set that up at all. That like oh she needs. I mean, they reveal it later that it was a necessity. Mm-hmm. But but when it happened, yeah, you're just you like, were like, ill. I, yeah, that's what I, that's <laughs> all I kept thinking because she was like, here, here, Caleb, inject this so we can, you know, and we only got like twenty minutes worth of time before like the the blood, degrades. yeah, degrades. And I was just like, ew, she doesn't, he doesn't know that guy. <laughs> he might have like syphilis or AIDS or, or AIDS. yeah, you know, stuff or syphilis <laughs> or herpes. Can't get rid of herpes. All cats have herpes. 
Your cat has herpes, doesn't it? I don't know. Oh, that means he's going to give my cat herpes. No, she's been vaccinated against it. All right. My cat doesn't have herpes. Uh, my cat doesn't have herpes. <laughs> or she could, and you don't know. 95% of all cats do. Ah. Uh, she doesn't. The doctor you know, said so. You know what the doctor said? The doctor <laughs> said. What did the doctor say about Westworld? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have to tell you. Okay. The okay. doctor said that the mama cat's immune system kind of depletes while she's giving birth mm. and then that's why the kittens get it oh wow okay and then they don't can't really fight it off and that's mm-hmm. why they keep getting all the colds and all that okay and so that's why it looks like they're just sick with the cold my cat i don't think my cat's ever been sick like at all she seems she she has seemed fine all like always yeah so but you got her at four months old too that Which is true. Is, she should have been really sick then if she was going to be sick. Yeah, she was a stray too. Yeah. Uh, I guess I got a lucky cat. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Um, one thing I want to I bring up about... Um, <laughs> I want to bring up where Bernard and Stubbs are when this episode plays out. They're in Victorville. Mm-hmm. Fucking Victorville. For y'all to know, Victorville is kind of our backyard. <laughs> yeah. It's so north of us. Yeah. So when I saw, I was like, "Hey, it's Victorville. That's awesome." I mean, Victorville's not awesome, but um, one thing I thought was cool that is that Victorville in the future is like a site for like rocket for uh rocket launches. Yeah. And rocket landing. And I thought that was kind of interesting. It would be the perfect spot for it. That's true. That's true. That's the thing. I always like it when like when like in a series or in a movie, there's like a setup of like of this different world, mm-hmm. and they they explore it in tiny little ways. I always really enjoy that. Like, like how Paris doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. So that, okay. Yeah. So I, this blew my mind where there's a scene where, um, Serac and, and Maeve are talking. And this is the scene where Serac convinces Maeve to work for him. And the way how he does this, he says, I can bring you back to your daughter. Who's at that, you know, in the, in the Valley beyond, he doesn't say the Valley beyond, but he says like wherever he, she is. And the key to that is Dolores is whatever's in Dolores is mine. So this sets Maeve on this path to find her. Um, during this discussion, Maeve is like, you know, oh, if I want to be impressed, you should have like woke me up while I was in Paris. Because I can't remember where they were when she woke up. Were they like in Scotland or something like that? No, they were in like, I don't, I don't know, like Korea or something. Yeah, like, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I want to almost like my mind is saying yeah, Hanoi, right. but yeah. it was like. You're right. It was great because she fought. No, she's no. I think she's supposed to be in Japan or Tokyo. Well, same thing. But I think they're supposed to be in Japan. I think maybe it was Japan. Because remember where she finds her? She later finds uh, that guy Sato. You're right. It was Japan. Yeah, and Surak reveals that Paris got nuked, and I was like, "Yo, what happened?" Mm-hmm. Like it's different when you're watching a movie or a show where they depict the future, and you're like, "A part of America got nuked. Part of Russia got nuked." Somewhere in Saudi Arabia got, you know, like... Because it always gets nuked. These, yeah, so, like, you yeah. kind of don't care anymore. Yeah, these these places where conflict is common, you're thinking, all right, I can see why, you know, this air got nuked. But Paris? You know, like, what happened? I thought that was fucking cool. And um, they're, they are going to explore them in the next episode. Mm-hmm. But I that's one thing I honestly can't wait to see what happens. Yeah. it kind Because it opens the door. It kind of actually... It kind of introduces this personality for Sir for Sarek, who reveals that, like, what he wants to do is he wants to get the data from Dolores. 
or I'm sorry, he wants to get the Delos data, the one that's been collecting on how humanity is and everything, because he feels that he he doesn't feel he wants to save humanity. He's like, humanity is going to destroy themselves, but I want to make sure to prevent that or maybe steer away from it as far as I could. Mm-hmm. But the only way I can do this is by getting all that Delos data that Dolores has. Because they do it better than he does. He wanted to find like genuine human thought. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, what's it called? What emotions? No, um, free will. Yeah, he wants to. He wants to fully understand free will because yeah, yeah. you know the Dell Corporation was able to figure that out after like their. And he's like, and they put it in a theme park of all places. I thought that was actually pretty dope. He was yeah. like, put it in a theme park of all places. I think that was pretty. I think that's pretty dope because. I don't know. You kind of meet some nasty ass people at a theme park, like mm-hmm. at a Disneyland, for example. I've bumped into some assholes there. <laughs> Me and myself being one because I got high once going there, but whatever. Makes me think of my coworker who was like, oh, he was so disgusted. He was in line and uh-huh. with one of his kids, and someone actually changed their baby's <laughs> diaper. Like, in the line? In the line. Like the kid was fully naked. Ugh. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. I don't remember if he was changing his diaper or if he was just peeing on a bush. What the fuck? Yeah. All right. I'm able to forgive a little bit if it's like changing a diaper in the middle of the line. Because you don't want to get out of line. Maybe there's not another person to get to hold your line. And... I mean, Disneyland lines, they, you know, they can take hours yeah. to get on, the, on a single ride. Yo, telling your kid to go pee in a fucking bush right next, that's fuck, that's nasty. That's gross, yeah. That, 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 that invites habit. Bad habits. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, uh, let's, uh, so here, let's talk about, um, I want to bring up that, that scene, that party scene in the movie. I mean, the movie, in the show. Where Dolores, uh, Caleb, are there? I, I actually really enjoyed that scene. A couple of reasons. One is because it reminds me of Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut, which is like rich people who have this all this money. They go to these parties where like drugs and sex are just right there. But like, it's not like a trashy place. It's with class because they wear masks. Yeah, you know, which is very, um, which is very. Eyes wide shut. Uh, I know you haven't seen it, but they kind of gave you an idea what I'm talking about. What's that movie that Issa Rae and Kamal Nanjiani are doing? Oh yeah. Remember, there's that scene where like they wear a mask and they they're going to a party where they're obviously not invited. Yeah. And they like remove your mask. Yeah. That's that that's 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 the eyes wide shut kind of thing. Yeah. Right. And this rumor like that should exist. Um. So one thing I really liked is that we actually got to see Dolores and Bernard. And mm-hmm. Stubbs like interacting, like they actually like they can they converge at this one location. Yeah, and I and I'm I'm actually really happy that that happened already because um, other shows would have like really stretched that out, would have mm-hmm. really stretched it out for like several episodes, and this is like episode four, and they've already jumped into it now. Yeah, so I'm just really happy to see them two interacting because well, also they didn't have it drag on yeah, within yeah. the episode. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. she's like run mm-hmm. to her ex-boyfriend or whatever yeah and he takes off running and she tells caleb you might want to go out no was it caleb no it wasn't caleb it was connell connell you might want to go after him mm-hmm. and then he takes off and then it's just her and uh bernard yeah and caleb yeah which that was that was pretty cool 
Um, and then we get a fight between Stubbs and Dolores, which I feel bad for Stubbs. I feel so bad for Stubbs. Like when when we when Stubbs is shown in this episode, his like arm is fucked up or shoulders fucked up because they swam like five miles from the island. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Plus, and, he was shot in his arm. Yeah, and then like bernard it's like <clears throat> bernard kind of like programmed him to help him mm-hmm. even though stub said like you know if you just asked me i would have done it um and then here he goes fighting dolores right and they have like this kind of like back and forth like hey like hey dolores haven't seen you for a while and she's like oh hey stubs and then he ends up saying like uh it's nothing personal he's like yes yeah, nothing personal either and then they fight each other <laughs> And I really thought like Stubbs was going to get his ass handed to him. Mm-hmm. And, but he threw in a, a few good punches. But it just proves that like, why, like, Stubbs is just like the punching bag for the show. Yeah. Um, Which sucks. Yeah. I actually like that Hensworth brother. I mean, I like, I like Chris that, Hensworth. That's why I think it sucks, right? Because you got Liam and Chris and they're both like these really hot, like, they get bulky for their fucking roles and shit. And then mm. there's this very average looking Hemsworth brother. Yeah, Luke, yeah. Who gets the punching bag role. Yeah, from my understanding, he's like, he was actually like a legit good actor in Australia, like in soap operas or something like that. That's where they all get their stars, where Margot Robbie came from. Oh, yeah, that's right. Who else came from Australia? Let's ponder over that. <laughs> there was an actor who came from Australia. Who married a very average-looking wife, but is totally in love with her. Oh, Hugh Jackman. Yes. Ah, look at that. Damn, useless information. <laughs> Woo. So what, um, I mean, I, I, I voiced my opinion, but what did you think about that scene? Is there anything that stuck out, stood out for you? Um, I kind of didn't care much for the scene. Like, really? the, not the scene, the scenery. Oh, okay. It was just like, okay, this is just high society bullshit, like... I don't need to see it. Um, and I don't quite understand what her end game for the her ex is yet because he's obviously not important. Yeah, he's not in control of the um, what's it called? Rehoboam. Yeah, there you go. He's so not in he, control of that. Yeah. yeah, so he's not important in that way. Plus, she has a shit ton of money from the guy that she stole all that money from. Mm-hmm. So what's the point? I think. Well, uh, obviously, I think they're going to reveal that. As, the, as we get closer to the end of the season. Um, I think they're just trying to keep that a mystery. You know, to find out what she's doing. At one point, um, when Connell, um, who was, whose body was switched over mm-hmm. to whoever was Maeve, I don't Maeve, um, Dolores controlling. Um, Connell did say something like, oh, um, you know, Bernard and Stubbs are here and they showed up earlier than anticipated. Yeah. Which means, like... Dolores is expecting this. So Dolores is, you know, to quote David Chen from Slash Filmcast, he said Dolores is thinking it's playing like 18, 18 dimension uh, chess. Yeah. I That just kind of shows how like, how how uh, strategic that Dolores is. She yeah. anticipated that. I'm, I'm actually not too impressed with her strategic really? whatever anymore, her strategies, because... You've almost kind of become used to it. Mm, okay, I get you. Um, I'm more interested in why, like, what, why is she doing something? Mm, okay, you, you, 
So are you saying, are, are you, I'm, you want to find out what's going on? Like, you want to find out now or the anticipation has kind of, it's been kind of been drawn out for too much? No, I don't think it's drawn out too much. I'm not mm. bored or annoyed or anything. Mm. Like, like, I'm just kind of like, there's enough psychology there mm. to keep me interested. So okay. even though I'm kind of, I'm not really tired of it, but I'm like, like, just kind of i don't know coasting i, I would say oh, the word okay, is like mm. because she's just a badass in every scene and she's dealing mm, you know like gotcha okay but you see enough of a, a variance in in the scenery and who she's with and what she's doing mm. to get the psychology like the unstable mm, I gotcha. you know so like it makes you more intrigued. Like, why is she doing that? Okay. Yeah. Well, like, because <clears throat> I think it's, I think it's pretty interesting how like the first two seasons really thought about free will and purpose and like, are you in control of your own actions and can you be read and predicted and all that kind of stuff like that. Now, this one, this one is still kind of doing it, but it's almost kind of taking a backseat a little bit into it. Because mm-hmm. we're focusing more on how badass Dolores is. And don't get me wrong, I, I do like seeing a badass Dolores, but we actually got a lot of badass Dolores in season two. Yeah. So it's like we're going the extra mile of how much of a badass she is. Yeah. You know. But and it's almost like I'd rather see Charlotte Hill. Yeah. I like I'd I'd rather see her. Okay. Um, especially with that reveal. Um if you know because obviously it isn't gonna make any difference mm. and um so i'd rather see charlotte hill and i'd rather see mave i've always liked mave ever since and, season and i want to see her break away from that tired i know we talked about this last night and mm. i know that you're like well it just makes her more human mm. but i'm really tired of her seeing of her chasing after wanting to be with her daughter yeah yeah i, I mean i can see i can see your point of view and and i was actually I was actually thinking about this earlier today, what you said about how, you know, the daughter, it, it, the, the relationship between the daughter and the mother was in some way staged, even though Maeve had an actual connection to it. Mm-hmm. But you're you're still seeing it as like, well, it, it was fake. And I can see that's not that's obviously not going to be reciprocated from the daughter because the daughter already has a new mother. Well, if you think about it this way, too, like if you're best friends with somebody mm. and then you start to realize how fake they are to you. Mm. You start to lose that connection with them. That is true. That is right. True. Like you don't constantly chase after that person because mm. you know that they're fake. So then you lose interest and you even start to kind of form like a callus over the love. Mm, okay. And it kind of turns to hate. Yeah. Or disinterest or whatever. So they need to like knock that shit off. Like she needs I a different think, purpose. I know. I don't think they're gonna. I, I think this late in the game, I don't think they're going to change that purpose. Like, that, like that's just going to be it. Mm, they've done a lot of crazy stuff. I think they could change it. That's true. I think they could, um, especially if she's out in the world. Uh-huh. I think they could give her a different purpose. Maybe. I mean, there there's a part where Surik, this kind of, this really kind of, I don't know. I, I, it really caught my attention where he said, hosts and humans cannot cohabitate. And I was like, why not? Spoken like a true black guy. Yeah, right. Like yo, you why? know, like this is how things were in the early 1900s. You know, white people and black people cannot intermingle. 
I've been. I mean, we'll never have a black president ever. Yes. <laughs> um, Kelsey is speaking from somebody from the 1900s, obviously. Yeah, um, I don't believe in that bullshit. Yeah, it's kind of weird how you bring that up, and I, maybe maybe I saw maybe I'm it really caught my attention because um, um, I've been taking uh, like an African American studies class for my college course, and this takes. The study takes place from like, mm, like eighteen sixty five to like the present, mm-hmm. and so this is during like the Reconstruction era and the post Reconstruction era, and then like the lynching era era and stuff like that, civil mm-hmm. rights, and, and you know some of the stuff I'm just like, damn, there's a lot of shit earlier white people were doing to like fuck over black people, mm-hmm. even like when they gave them like when they gave black people like a foot, they took a mile. <laughs> It was so fucked up. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I think that I think that's what probably caught my um, caught my attention with uh, Surak when he said humans and hosts can't cohabitate. It's really weird. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, um, okay. So let's let actually let's go a little bit over the Maeve storyline because eventually her her point is going to uh, it's going to connect with Dolores. Um, so this this thing was this setup was kind of weird. Okay, so Maeve wakes up, you know, we kind of go over that part. And Surak is like, Surak introduces Maeve, or brings Maeve to uh, this location where Dolores was like bringing up these, bringing, um, making bodies for these black pearls that she has, which is five. And upstairs is an individual that they got tied up who who created this fake identity or connected Dolores with this fake identity. His name is the mortician. No, yeah, no, he was no. Oh no, he, he wasn't the mortician. He's not the mortician, but he's the connection to the mortician. Yeah. So Sarek is like trying to get this information from him, and Dolores, not Dolores, Maeve is there. And the way how Sarek does is that, that he puts this, he shows this guy like what's going to happen to his family. Not because of what Sarek does, he but what society him does. Two separate timelines. He shows him what happens if you don't give us the information. What happens if you do? Yeah. I thought that was cool because he's pretty much showing him the future. Yeah. And that breaks him. Right. And Sirk is kind of giving off like this thing where he's like, I'm not going to kill him. I'm not going to I'm not going to kill his family. Society's going to do it because, you know, because this world is a dangerous place. Blah, 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 blah. Right. And kind of you kind of leaning over to his side. Maybe even maybe even leaning over to it. Mm-hmm. And then Sirk gets a gun and shoots him. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, man, you just kind of threw away your argument. Right. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Maeve like it's it's it, from what I from what I heard it's called like a, it's it's a, essentially a fetch quest where Maeve goes on one location to find another person to find another person to find another person yeah yeah and Maeve um, goes to this uh, like this uh, like Japanese gang group like Japanese mafia I don't know if it's like the Triad or something no like it was that. the Yakuza yeah it was the Yakuza okay it was the Yakuza and she well kinda, no well because she went to the mortician and the mortician said. It wasn't me. I helped move the bodies, but I did not give them their identities. Yeah, she. But she did give. She. So then they explained the whole blood thing mm-hmm. for Dolores. How Dolores got her new blood to uh, to be somebody else. Which I was like, okay, cool. We got that a little too late, but okay, we got that. And so Maeve comes in, and Maeve still has her. I thought it's cool. Maeve has her powers. Mm-hmm. She's able to control technology of the mind. Which I, I. That's one thing I loved about Maeve. And apparently she's able to, she was able to return, retain that fighting information 
Because she was able to, like, swing a fucking katana around like nothing. Yeah. Which is pretty dope. And we get a reveal that Musashi from Shogun World made it out of, of Westworld. Made mm-hmm. it out of the park. I was like, oh, holy shit, Musashi's out. Oh, fuck. I was so stoked because um, I can't remember what the actor's name is. Uh, it's not popped up right now. Right? Um, but that dude's a really great actor. Mm-hmm. Really great Japanese actor, right? So then it starts to happen this insurrect, this inner What's up? Insurrection? Intersection? Like, they're, the storylines are starting to converge. Intersection. Intersection. And at that time, we find out what Will's been up to. Apparently, Will's been drunk, shooting up his house this entire time. Mm-hmm. Which begs the question, what the fuck happened at the end credits for Season 2 Westworld? Where Will ends up at the forge, and the forge is, like, destroyed. Like, time has gone by and the forge is no more. Like, 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 I don't get that. Yeah. Like, I I don't get that, right? It's a big fucking plot hole that they, hopefully they will explain. But from what I found out about that is that um, Joanna Robinson from Vanity Fair, she said that she had talked to a producer on the show and that ending um, that was supposed to be a third timeline in the second season, and it was supposed to take place decades into the future. Mm. But my guess is, since maybe this might be the last season, because Westworld was supposed to span on for five seasons, but the ratings have been dropping steadily. They're kind of, I don't know, they might play it off as like, oh, it's a, it was a hallucination or some shit. Yeah. Which is kind of dumb. I honestly thought he was a host. They, that's the, they and, played with that idea in yeah. the second season. Like, I really thought he was a host, yeah. and that's the reason why, like, the fidelity tests or whatever exactly. fucked him up. Exactly. And I think I think they were going to really play with that idea for, like, at least, like, another season. Because William was such, like, a focal point in the first season, and even somewhat in the second season, I think they are going to really play with that maybe in season three and season four. But mm-hmm. season three is, like, this whole fucking different thing now. Um, I, mean, I still think they should have done that, honestly. <sighs> yeah. I mean, they. But I, mean, I don't think they knew how to make it work if he was trying to still keep, retain control over the company. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I think, like, they, like I said, I think they were going to really play with that. Yeah. But, like, it seems like now they're kind of rushing to, like, close up these storylines and, like, finish up all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not sucking at it. By any means, no, not a lot not of plays, entirely. Yeah, like usually it falls apart when when shows do that, and this one's still pretty like holding it together. Yeah, it's it's, it's holding together. Um, Charlotte Hale, Charlotte Hale shows up at William's house. William's been drinking. He's like his daughter Emily, who he killed, is now like the is, haunting him. It's haunting him. It's like an allegory of his guilt, which I thought was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Charlotte is like, "Hey, Surek is trying to take over the company. I need your portion of." your shares to like fight this and make the company go private. So let's go here and we'll do this, blah, blah, blah. So he's about to leave the house. He's having like a last conversation with his daughter. Charlotte tells him like, Oh, I've been recording your conversations. I know what's going on with you, but you know, I like, she goes like, I know you. She's like, I didn't have to because I know you, but I did anyway. Yeah. I know your deepest secrets. And then that's when she turns into Dolores. Like, her voice, like, her demeanor turns into Dolores. Yeah. And we find out Dolores is in Charlotte. But at the same time, Dolores is trying to get Liam. 
Mm-hmm. And then, but at the same time, it's revealed that Dolores is in Connell. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, when Maeve confronts Musashi and realizes that's not Musashi, Dolores is in Musashi. Mm-hmm. So the whole big reveal that honestly blew my fucking mind. Mm-hmm. Did it blow your mind? Yes. Blew Kelsey's mind. That, because there's been this whole build of like, she has five pearls. She's, you know, who's in, who, who's, whose pearls does she has? Who, people have been theorizing of who it could be. Could it be Teddy? Could it be Clementine? Could it be Sussex? Could it be Armistice or whatever? It's all fucking copies of Dolores. She just copy and pasted herself into these, what I like call her horcrux. Horcrux. <laughs> Which you had to explain to me. I explained to you. Yet again. But I thought it was clever. I didn't see the things that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like a whole shit moment. And when she reveals her, when Charlotte reveals herself to be Dolores, William loses it. And she turns it around and goes like, oh, I just came here to, to prove that you're fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. And since now it's proved that you're crazy because we have these hospital personnel who are wearing very nice suits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I get to like hold your shares. You know? Yeah. She's like, it goes to the acting president. I'm acting president. I yeah. have your voting shares. Yeah. And there's like this cool little fight scene between Musashi, who's really Dolores, uh, between Musashi and Maeve. And um, he stabs Maeve and Maeve's down for the count. Um, I think this was really cool. It was a really cool shot where it showed Maeve. Uh, bleeding out along with like this white the white milk that they like they make the bodies in yeah well from what from my understanding i think it's actually supposed to be some type of like sake or something like that it it's, was really thick i know i think it is i think it's supposed to be like like liquid liquid rice or something like that okay i mean it's possible but um it could it could be that that white material that maybe they're bootlegging or something like that Maybe or maybe they they need to get it in like because they're gonna build more. Mm, yeah. Oh yeah. That's, yeah. That's true. That's yeah. true. Um, yeah. But when you see like her blood and like this white goo, it's like a mixture of like her host body and like her human human somewhat personality, human mind in mm-hmm. a way. Which I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yet before uh, Musashi uh, takes off, he's gonna like it looks like he's gonna cut off like Maeve's. Head. Hair. Yeah, cut off her hair. But no, he's he, like cut off her scalp to get her pearl. It looked like he was about to take her pearl. Oh. And maybe like Dolores was trying to con- going to convince her, hey, like come to my side because Surak is going to fuck you over or something like that. That's what I'm guessing. But that doesn't happen. Or maybe she was just going to steal her pearl to repurpose it. Possibly. Um. So yeah, uh, Dolores, uh, Connell, and Caleb, they get Liam and they get Bernard. And, um, yeah, and then that, that happens. So, oh, one thing I forgot to mention, though. Um, I wanted to mention about um, the song they use during the party scene. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, it was a West, oh, I can't, I can't pronounce the, uh, the musician's name. The guy who makes the Westworld soundtrack. But it's mm-hmm. like his version of The Weeknd, uh called wicked games i think mm-hmm. i really i dug this it was like this cool like um what's it called like stand-up bass and like violin kind of rendition of the song mm-hmm. i thought it was pretty dope yeah what was your take on it um i, I think there's a right way and a wrong way how to do violins mm-hmm. and i didn't think it was the right way yeah it took um 
I will admit, it did take a minute for it to, like, really pick up. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't pick up quick enough. Um, and I'm sure that's how the song kind of is. But, mm. like, it's just, like, a violin laid over top of the rest of the, the song. Mm. And so it doesn't... Usually violin is used in a purpose... Well, with a purpose if you're using it in a modern song. Yeah. And it wasn't doing that. Okay, I, I see. I see. Um, yeah, it seems like this season they haven't been ha- having a whole lot of like repurpose popular music to give it like that Westworld spin. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because there's really not a whole lot of opportunities to bring that into this show. Like, for example, um, there's like this dope ass Shogun version of Cream, it's a Wu Tang song. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's fucking, it's really dope. But like, this is the way how they did it for Westworld worked out perfectly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess they, they're trying to find variations to try to interject stuff like that. Like there's a there's a Westworld version of Bjork's uh, Hunter, mm-hmm. but they only played it for like maybe like 10 seconds. Yeah. And I would have really have liked to see, hear the whole version of that song because I love Bjork. Yeah. So, uh, um, so yeah, there's a couple of things. Um, uh, a couple of questions like how was Paris nuked or why was Paris nuked? Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's revealed that four of the pearls were Dolores, um, one is in Del- one Dolores, one is in Charlotte, one is in Kano, and another who's in uh, Musashi, but there still is a fifth pearl. Mm-hmm. So we still don't know who that fifth pearl is. Um, I'm kind of thinking it might be Ford. Something tell me it might be Ford. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Like it seems like that would be a big fucking like whoa moment. Yeah. Because, like, honestly, who like who the fuck could it be? Like, obviously she didn't take anybody else out. Other than herself. Yeah. I did like that line. She said, like, if you want a job, you want a job done right, do it yourself. <laughs> I thought that was pretty dope. How did Bernard come back? Because wasn't he destroyed or something? No, she took his pearl. But his pearl was, like, a black and red type deal. Because it was a mixture between Bernard and Arnold. Mm-hmm. So she did take his pearl. So that's not the fifth one. That's not the fifth one, no. Because remember, Bernard Bernard killed Dolores, but then put Dolores in Charlotte Hale's body. But Bernard had to get had to be taken out. So he took he so she took him out. Um and her I, I, I like she took him out at one point and like he's revealed. He was like there. Yeah. Okay. Well, she put him back together. Um also Quick question: What it, I'm really curious about what Charlotte Hale injected in William because there's that quick part where she like put something in his neck. I don't think she actually injected anything uh-huh. because the way the that little metal thing came out of her finger, mm-hmm. it looked like how you would poke your finger when you're gonna do like a blood test or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it was a blood sample uh, from Charlotte or from William. From William to maybe get his DNA. Mm, okay, that. Huh, that's possible. I mean, yeah, that's possible. Yeah, then William ends up in the nut house. So then what if she just didn't put that fifth pearl in anybody? What if she puts that fifth pearl into William? Oh, like maybe that's William who comes out. But see, William's in the nut house, though. So. Yeah, but she put him in the nut house, and maybe it's like 
It's the one not a legit one or one that keeps them hidden away or that's something. That's true. Or like maybe somewhere because those guys were in suits. So. That's true. Maybe maybe she put them in the she put them in a location where she know that he will be at, and, mm-hmm. and then when she does her thing or whatever, maybe she gets like a uh, her maybe she gets a version of William and like just disregards that one. I don't know something like that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I mean, if I mean, the, the, it's episode four, and they've already done that. They've already done that huge reveal mm-hmm. about the pearls, which yeah. you figure that might be revealed like throughout the whole season, or mm-hmm. maybe like a big reveal near the end. And it's like, no, no, we're gonna reveal that now. And they still got like four more episodes, so there's got to be some more big reveals. Yeah. Anyway, um, I like the episode. I thought it was good. It was really entertaining. I, it, it really prepared pro. pro was that how you say it? propelled mm-hmm. the story forward? Yes. Um, what's what's your final say on it? I really enjoyed it. Uh, there was a lot going on, but it was easy to keep track of, and uh, there were a lot of reveals. And I can't wait for the next episode. Absolutely. So now we are going to move on to our geriatric cinematic. What's your destination, stranger? No place in particular. I'm looking for someone, and you look exactly like him. I'm a vagabond named Jubei Kibagami. Die! Know that they won't leave you alone. You have already killed one of the eight devils of Kimon. Who are these eight devils of Kimon? They are a group of ninja who work for the Shogun of the Dark. Kimon monsters will be after the both of you. Three of us have a common enemy. Tell me, why did you join him, Jubei? He hired me. A ninja for hire? Please leave this Jubei to me. I will kill him myself. You'll have to give up soon. Must not be underestimated. Kill him! I never expected to see you again. Jubei! It is 1993's Ninja Scroll. I couldn't say that. I was like, Ninja Scroll. Ninja Scrolls, because I'm getting tired, so my mouth is getting dry. Water. I'm almost out. Oh my god. Um. The IMDb, IMDb, Jesus Christ. You want this? <laughs> it's not going to help my inability to speak. All right, let me, let me take it over. All right, the IMDb synopsis is, A vagabond swordsman is aided by a beautiful ninja and a crafty spy in confronting a demonic clan of killers with a ghost from his past as their leader who are bent on overthrowing the Tokugawa shogun. Uh, direct- shogunate. 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 It's weird. Uh, it's directed by... Uh, Yoshashi uh, Kawajira. Yoshiaki. Oh, thank you. Yoshiaki. Yoshiaki. Kawajira. Kawajira. There we go. All right. Uh, the <laughs> man behind Wicked City, great anime, uh, Animatrix, great anime, Vampire Hunter D, another great anime. Um, 
it stars a, a quite a few individuals whose name I will not butcher for this show. Um, so, Ninja Scroll. Um, this is considered one of the best animes. This is this came at a time when anime really picked up in the uh, early to mid nineties. Uh, this wasn't my first animated movie, but man, did it fucking it! It cemented my love for this genre. Mm-hmm. Um, even well, I'm sorry. Very like opposite that and like huge contradiction uh, of what you said about this. I saw an article about Fruits Basket being like like a great anime for anime lovers. Fruits Basket? Yeah. What the flying fuck is that? Not this type of anime. Fruits Basket. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's like got a following, right? So it's popular. Oh, wow. This is definitely not my style of anime. <laughs> exactly. 98 to 2006. This is like schoolgirl, like, like anime. Yeah, and I think it's coming back. My ex used to watch it. And it's like, what the fuck are you watching? Your ex is like like this Mexican truck driver, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> kind of weird. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, anyway... <laughs> That, that threw me the fuck off. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. It was just like, it popped in my head like, this is complete opposite of that, but I saw this on the news, like in an article. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Ninja Scroll, um, I don't, unfortunately, I don't really revisit it like I should. Mm. Um, but like, it's up there to me, like uh, this, Akira, Wicked City, Ghost in the Shell, Vampire Hunter D. Uh, uh, what's another Which is one? funny because... Yoshiaki Kawajiri did like all of those. Yeah, he did. Because it, that was his first one, and then he did Vampire Hunter D: Bloodlust, which is a great sequel to the Vampire Hunter D movie. Um, but even people who had like a passing knowledge of anime, they know of Ninja Scroll. Mm-hmm. Like they checked it out and everything. And it's like, like they don't really make anime like with this much detail and this much style, um, too much. Unless it's like a Studio Ghibli style, uh, Studio Studio Ghibli type production or whatever. Because this takes like time. To make this anime, like mm-hmm. you can see with it within every scene, like it was expensive drawn. to make. Yeah, it looked like it was like uh, a real label of love of like this kind of like anime yeah. on this story, which I ended up finding out that the guy who the story is based off, Jubei Kimogami, was a real like samurai back in like feudal Japan and stuff like that. So it's one of those myth stories. So. Yeah. So Kelsey, what did you think about Ninja Scroll? Hmm. If I was going to give it a letter grade. F, okay, got it. No. <laughs> okay. I would give it a B minus. Okay. All right. So it was a good watch, mm-hmm. but it had a few issues for me, but okay. it was like, it was good. Okay. What, I want to hear what those issues are. Okay. Um, the storyline mm-hmm. was not easy to follow. That, that is understandable. It is. It does take a minute for, you, for it to start settling in yeah so like i felt like it kind of wanted it didn't know whether it wanted to take itself seriously if it wanted to be like a fantastical idealist Mm. world where like men rape women or whatever yeah like Like it really didn't know if it wanted to be macho or if it really wanted to be like elevate itself and let this girl like 
I'll really be this just be a strong warrior. Yeah, yeah. That is kind of like, I know, because I know, like, the story starts with Jub- Jubei and everything, but it seems like, it seems like Kagero, Kagero is a really uh, central part of the story. But I feel, like I, one thing, I, if I do have a gripe with it, one thing, I feel like they don't give her enough, enough time. They don't give her enough to do. That is true too. Like she, yeah, she, like she ends up becoming like, I mean, the, like an anime girl. Like she's yeah. an anime girl. She ends yeah. up like, oh, I love you. Like, okay, I don't. We finally get to have sex. Oh my god. That part I don't really feel. I don't really see that part as a negative. Like I like I don't see. It's, just, it's not negative. Negative. It's just you don't need it because most of the movie is her, you know fighting anyway that's true but like those those subtle moments when like uh jubin could get her talking and everything and how she wants to be like this hard-ass warrior but she really is an individual who like who's really never like known the touch of somebody without killing them yeah without killing them and i think like the relationship that aspect of the story which kind of like comes to like a uh to my opinion a great conclusion when jubin and kiketo kind of like professor love for each other i think it's very touching it's very heartwarming i guess the the good thing about it is that they didn't actually have sex uh, yeah that is they great. kiss that is the, and that which w- was enough to kill somebody but because mm-hmm. he is immune no wait she's immune she's immune but he's but, been poisoned by uh Takun. yeah so mm. you know whatever she can he can be with her yeah he and he still isn't with her mm. Um, I like I like that because it means that they're still trying to rise above it in a way. Yeah, like I like honestly, I think if like and it's funny because like some some other animes would have actually had them have sex and then try to make it like romantic and sensual and everything, but it would have felt either corny or still kind of forced. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like she like told him, you know, when Kagero, you know, asks Dakun like, hey. Like, you poison them, give me the antidote, or tell me the antidote, and then she tells him. And I think it's so cool, because, like, they don't show him telling her, but, like, obviously the reveal is very, like, holy shit moment for her. Mm-hmm. It almost, like, you can see, like, this face of terror on her, you know? And then when she, like, tells him, to tells Jubei, you know, to fight this poison, you have to make love to me. He even kind of was like, no, don't degrade yourself like that. Yeah. You know? And... That's what kind of like leads up into that later on that moment where, you know, she tells him she doesn't really even say like, oh, I love you. She just tells him, I want to thank you for making me feel just like a person instead Mm -hmm. of like a poison taster. Yeah. You know, and it seems like she's never had that her whole life at all. Yeah. But Jubei gave her that. And so I guess it makes that kiss so much more powerful Mm -hmm. because it's like. I don't know. It's it's that's that's one of the things I love about this movie. I'm just like, oh my god, that's like almost kind of like like the first time I saw it, I was like, oh shit, oh shit, you know, <laughs> it was so great, you know, which makes like that 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 part so hard, so heartfelt. So I feel like they either don't focus on it enough or they do it too much because it's like mm, okay. they don't really do anything with that in the beginning, like for the first half of the movie. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then it's all of a sudden kind of being led into it. So I don't. It's not that the that it bothers me as a whole, but it's the way it was done. Mm. You if you're if you're having a hard time navigating what's going on with her, mm. um, in the late reveals, then it almost feels like gratuitous or mm, okay. 
like they're trying to be feminist but not hitting mm. their mark or something. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Maybe because it was, I don't know. I don't exactly know the the whole crew behind it. I don't know if it was a, you know, if there was a, if the writer kind of like got some woman perspective while writing this story. Oh, excuse me. So I don't know if that happened. However, one thing I do love is how badass Jubei is. I love how badass he is. Um, I the version that we the version that we watched was a subtitle version. It's on Hulu. But honestly, I grew up watching the dub version, and I really like the dub version because the guy who does Jubei's voice gives his character more personality. Oh, okay. He has more of a sarcastic type of like part, like the part where um where Tasai had Jubei like was holding him up, and Jubei was like, "No, I know the way. You can leave me alone." After he's like beat the shit out of him, uh-huh. it's much more funnier like when you're hearing it than actually like reading it because the reading and like the dialogue is kind of. It's like lost. It's lost yeah, it's, in translation. Yeah, it's basically. lost in translation. However, um, I the the action the action set pieces are still fucking great. Mm-hmm. Like I I personally think they still hold up, like to this day. Like that scene where um, I'm trying to think of the fight scene. Which fight scene? Okay, I. You, you mean can, the one where they're going through the trees and they're cracking me up? You no no no. You <laughs> thought that was funny because the dude was blind. I still thought that was dope. Of going through the trees? Yeah. You told you no the bamboo garden or like at the beginning where at the jumping. beginning. <laughs> that was kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the part where like, you know, they see where like this giant blade that's mm-hmm. flying through that's def- that's defining the laws of of physics. They're like over there and they throw like a bajillion ninja stars to like oh, yeah. and the guy reveal. I was like, wow, that's carrying a lot of ninja stars just for that big reveal, which is kind of ridiculous. Yeah. It was pretty ridiculous. Um, but no, even like that part um, where Jubei is fighting Tasai, and it's like this cool kind of like epic, like music has like swelled up. Jubei is like jumping in the air and it's like doing a, like a slash here and there and like Tasai, it's not affecting Tasai mm-hmm. until like the poisons hit, hit him and mm-hmm. his body's like crumbling away. Yeah. Um, even though like that fight probably would have maybe should have been a little bit bigger, it wasn't because I don't think they wanted to overshadow like the end battle scene. Yeah, um, I think you're right on that. I don't really have anything to add to it. Add something to it. I can't, you know, because I think Tasai. I can't remember what he looks like. Tasai was the rock creature. Which is funny because I got his name mixed up with Daquan. Oh, Daquan is is the the old guy, the old, the old guy. monk. Yeah. Um. He was already crumbling because he had raped, or tried to rape. Yeah, um, Kagero. Kagero, and he had actually kissed her. He had his mouth all over her. Yeah, on her nose too. Just oh. I think Daquan told her, or told no, told the guy as he was disintegrating. Mm. He was like, "You're already falling apart because you're poisoned." Yeah. So yeah, he told Jubei that yeah. So yeah, so it wasn't like I don't know. It had nothing to do with the ninja star. Oh no! The I, ninja, mean, the, I mean, the, the sword. The sword, yeah. Some of it did, like it did split. It, it did weaken the stone body, so it did split those fingers for like that minute. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, oh, oh my god, I'm being split in half. Whatever. <laughs> so silly. Um. So, <laughs> oh, and then okay. So if we're gonna talk about that, okay, I think we both were like, so much for her being a warrior. Yeah, there are a couple of parts where 
like she does she does kind of handle herself somewhat when they do fight that blind guy Mm -hmm. but there are several scenes where she kind of stupidly kind of like falls into a trap Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then she comes very like damsel in distress. Yeah, and that's a very like male centric type story. So it's mm. real. That's what I'm saying. It's really gotcha. weird. They don't know what they what they want to do for real. Gotcha. Like like they don't exactly know how to. I can see that. Yeah. Like they didn't like uh, the writer didn't really know how to write Kikaros to make it strong, but without making her super weak at times. Yeah. Like for fantasy or whatever yeah and i feel like he honestly i do feel like he tried to like rectify that with that one scene when um i can't remember the guy's name but the guy with all the walls that's coming out of his back oh yeah where she was like standing there and and shooting out that pollen to like make the walls like pass out whatever Mm -hmm. i think that was supposed to be like her moment of like oh shit she's a badass but it seemed like she was still kind of weak because she's like i can only do this for so long Yeah, yeah yeah and she was still waiting for uh jube to get on with whatever he was doing yeah to take him out and shit like that yeah um so that was good i actually there's one part i really enjoy and that was when there was um there was an inner turmoil between the eight devils of kimon um like for example um i can't remember i think his name is shishimi uh the guy with the electricity how he was sleeping with gemma oh yeah but gemma was also sleeping with the snake girl yeah and you can get you got a sense of like jealousy mm-hmm. and he even like he ended up killing her but of course he was just like oh you failed me twice so i have to kill you but he was like no you sleep with my man i have to kill you <laughs> <laughs> i saw so I, that inner turmoil i did like even like even the even the fact that what's her name oh i i can't remember the name the girl with the gunpowder mm-hmm. who comes out she was even in love with him and when he rejected her she was just like all right i'm gonna fucking kill you then yeah <laughs> you know um you're talking about the guy with the electricity, mm-hmm. and I thought it was interesting how I was both disgusted and intrigued by this idea that he had this, like, one strand of string in his mouth all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, it was his connection to the world. Yeah, it was like a form of uh, telephone. It yeah. was, that's, that's how he was Well, it was like telephone, but it was also his weapon, but it was like, but it was always connected to his mouth. Mm-hmm. So, sometimes I ca- kind of thought it was cool, and sometimes I kind of thought it was gross. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, because like a strand of string in this guy's <laughs> mouth just. Yeah, it's like it's like when you have like your long hair and you're just talking and it's gets in your mouth. You're like, <laughs> like yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, totally. And he's just talking with this strand hanging out of his mouth. Yeah, um, <laughs> one of the one of the one of the aspects of the story I thought was cool was how um, how it's connected to Jubei's pass, and then how the how the main plot is connected to Jubei's pass, in the sense that like there's this gold. And that he killed uh, this person he knew named Gemma. And he killed him to kind of keep this gold secret. Even though he could have taken the gold or done something with it. But he believed that it was it shouldn't have been in anybody's hands. It belonged to like the land or like... Yeah. It was like cursed or something. Well, it wasn't that it was cursed. It was um, they poisoned the well of that village. So that nobody would go investigate this where this goal was and they said like oh it's a plague and all that kind of stuff yeah so um there's a connection between that and like jubei and then like the the tokugawa government fighting off like the shogun of the dark and how like jubei is kind of like in the middle of it Mm -hmm. and or like the 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 fight between jubei and kagema are like in the middle of this which leads up into this really cool epic fight between jubei and gemma and 
I thought it was dope how throughout this movie, you really didn't get a sense that like that fight would even happen. Yeah. But like when it did happen, you were just like, you felt like they didn't force, they didn't, they didn't force feed you this anticipation. Like, oh, they're going to do it. They're going to fight. They're going to fight. You know, but like when they did, when he did show up and he kills Kigero, you're just like, oh yeah, there's a badass fight coming. And they didn't get, they didn't have you wait for like two hours to get to that fight. Yeah. It was like, all right, he fights these people. Ten minutes later, now he's going against uh, Gemma, mm-hmm. which almost kind of gives it like a video game status. Yeah. Um, and then you also kind of realize that uh, Kagero never actually had sex with Jubei. Mm-hmm. So then it almost gets it in your mind to like, is he going to live? Like, Oh, when they kiss? Yeah. Like, was that enough mm. to counteract? Um, yeah, I can, I can see that. That never really crossed my mind because they kind of like, they had kept giving credence to this idea that he'd been poisoned when he would like puke up blood. And then it stopped happening. It stopped happening. So I was always like, okay, that kiss must must have been enough. Yeah. Like, just right. Because let's say, like, let's say he puts, like, I don't mean to be crass, but let's say he puts two inches in. He's, like, cured. And then the third inch. Ugh! Like, that's. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. He's dead. <laughs> and credits and all that stuff. It makes me think of that one meme where it's, like, the mind exploding. Huh? <laughs> like if he puts like one inch in, it's like his mind is there, and then two inches, and then it'll be like his mind ex- like explodes a little bit, and then you know the ones with like uh, Vince McMahon. Oh, okay, and I the, got you. Yeah, I but, got you. <laughs> but you know with poisoned vagina. Okay. <laughs> wow, <laughs> I like that with poisoned vagina. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I wanna I wanna ask you. So there's that big confrontation between Gemma and Jubei, and I want to ask you, what do you think about that? Because we've been kind of sprinkling these little buildups into it, and now we have it, like, right there. I think they played it out really well, because you get an idea that, um, what's his name? Jubei. Mm. Jubei is like, I can't believe this guy's alive. First yeah, of all, he, after he it, cut like, his head off, yeah. It, and it, it like blows his mind for like a while. Mm. Like this guy should not still be alive. And so when it gets towards the end and he knows that he's going to go up against him, he's you could tell he's kind of worried about it because mm. he's like, I mean, if I already killed him once and he didn't like he was dead, but now he's not dead, then mm. how am I going to actually kill him? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they even like, they even kind of toy with the idea with Jubei, like, oh, I'm not, you know, like at one point, the guy with the wasp in the back, he says, like, oh, unlike Gemma, I'm not immortal. And Jubei's like, wait, what? Like, yeah. immortality? Yeah. So, yeah, he does come in a very hesitant, but um, I feel like when he got to that fight, it was he, it was essentially going to be a suicide mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then once they got fighting, mm. um, I know he got to a point where he was, like, almost dead. Who, Jubei? Yeah. Yeah, he was getting his ass handed to him. Yeah. I One part that I still love to this day is where Gemma jumps in the air, gives him like a drop kick to the chest, and like without skipping a beat, just like rabbit punches him like in the gut, in the face, like over like, like if he hasn't backed up in the corner, like just blah, 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 like that. Mm-hmm. You can even tell that like, I don't know if you caught this, but like a couple of the punches, you can tell they just repeated it. 
Oh, like, like yeah, they always yeah. went like back and forth. They repeated the animation or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it made sense, right? Because it was just like, of course, Gamma's gonna fuck him up. Yeah. Um, but still, no matter what Gamma did, Jubei fucking kept coming. People mm-hmm. pick up and just run towards him, even though, even though like he's um, Gamma's in front of him. He chopped his head off. He's like, fuck, I'm gonna keep going, like just nonstop. Yeah. Um, so like how he gets out of the corner was dope because he had this string attached to his wrist. That's attached to a sword. And when he pulled, he says something like, um, uh, he says something like, oh, you're going to be a true shogun of the dark. You know, if that's, if that will happen, there'll be nothing but devils in the world. And he says, if you want that, you better run back to hell. I mean, that's what I remember from the dub. I think the subtitle might've been a little bit different because mm-hmm. it's a bit more German. That's, that's why I like the devil because it's so dramatic, you know? Yeah, yeah. He like pulls that sword and like cuts his arm off and just keeps going at him. But even though Jubei has a broken arm, yeah. he's like, fuck it. I'm still going to keep going at it. He broke his arm early on in the fight, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I just really like that fight scene. But it, it's so funny because you're like, oh, how he kept, he keeps getting like punched and everything. Mm-hmm. And he keeps getting his ass handed to him, but he still gets up and keeps going. And I'm sitting here thinking about Rocky Balboa. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Rocky getting his ass kicked and yeah. keeps going. Fighting Ivan Drago like that. Yeah. Fights a fucking demon. Um, so, you know, badass scene where Jubei takes that sword. Oh, after like, oh, love this. I absolutely love this. Like, uh, he's like, he has Gemma. No, I'm sorry, Gemma has him. Jubei is like, he looks like he's about to pass out. He grabs Gamma's shirt and just starts headbutting him. Oh yeah. Repeatedly. Yep. Just blow, blow. And I remember at one point when he like headbutts him, Gamma does his like back away, like it hit him, but same time, like, whoa, did this nigga just headbutt me? Yeah, and like he, surprise. Yeah, and he keeps doing it. And I think it's so cool because they don't really hammer it, hammer it in, but like the the um the band that Kigero wears Jube Ward on his head, and he kind of u- uses that as a weapon. Yeah. When he's headbutting, and when he's doing that, I get a sense of him. That's uh, I get a sense of him headbutting Gamma. Uh, I'm about to say Gamma. Um, Gamma, because mm-hmm. Gamma's the one who stabbed Kigero, and Kigero dies, and all that stuff. But Jube's headbutting him, saying like, "Oh, hey, Kigero says fuck you," and just keeps doing it to. It's like almost like Kigero's like doing her punches as well. Yeah. And um, then he, you know. Sweetly wraps it around his sword at the end, his sword handle. Ah, oh, so beautiful. Oh, that show was so. Let's hold on. Let me. We gotta talk about that. I just want to talk about that little part right there. Um. Uh. So, you know, Gemma is beaten. All the gold is melted, which I thought was kind of weird. How gold melted that fast? But then mm-hmm. it's an anime. You know, yeah, whatever. yeah. And it covers Gemma's body as he's falling, like. No, no, no. He's like he's there, but like it's already covered his body, and it even shows that moment where Gamma Gamma screams because he's yeah. he show he has shown to have like no pain, and he's even like oh my god, like it's like lava. Mm-hmm. Cool last scene. They don't have it in the subtitle, but in in the dub version where Jubei's climbing out, Gamma jumps up, grabs his ankle, and comes one of the most baddest lines I've ever heard ever in a movie. Mm-hmm. Where he goes, Jube, he goes, Gamma burning your golden hell, and cuts his arm off. And I so that's why I was just like, damn, I should have played the dub version for her. That scene is so fucking dope. It sticks with me to this day. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking badass. And he wins, and then um Dakun is just like, Oh, here, like, meet me here and we'll I'll pay your money. 
And Jubei's like, fuck you, and like cuts cuts his arm of that gold falls out. He's like, consider that as your payment. And Dago's like, Well, I would have killed you anyway. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> stupid ass laugh. And then Jubei jumps, does this quick cut where he like he's walking away being like this fucking Ronin. Mm-hmm. And he has like to uh Kigero's like headband around the sword. Yeah. Showing that like how much of an impact she she left on him. Yeah. And that's the end. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so for, for people who don't know, who are familiar with Ninja Scroll, um, there was a Ninja Scroll series, if I remember correctly, that took place, um, that was considered like a, a prequel before the events of Ninja Scroll. Um, I have not, I have not seen, I think I've seen maybe like an episode, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It is, it's just in. It didn't vibe well with me. Um, actually, it doesn't say if it's he's aided by a government spy, Deku, and a thief. Of, oh, okay. So I guess this is like a separate story. Doesn't really follow after the events of of um, Ninja Scroll the movie because apparently Deku is shows up in the movie in the series. There has been a comic book. I have like the first volume. Mm-hmm. I think I read like three pages. And I was just like, this is not the same thing. Yeah. Um. But I have heard, maybe about four or five years ago, maybe 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 actually sooner than that, that um, there is kind of a sequel in the works. Um, let me see if I can just kind of follow it out. Uh, see, here's the thing: on the IMDb page, it does say there's a TV miniseries, but like that's all it is, and it says plot unknown. And it it doesn't give a year that it's made. So it makes me think that it hasn't even been out yet, or it's not even in production. Uh, oh, here he goes. Okay, Matt, I'll see you. Explain status of Ninja Scroll follow-up. Uh, so the director did at, at the Shotokan in 2012, he told fans of the hit anime Bloodbath that he planned to feature a sequel and even produce a sizzle reel to attract investors. The problem is that while there are plenty in the U.S. who love Ninja Scroll follow, uh, Ninja, a Ninja Scroll follow, Japanese audiences and more importantly, investors are largely indifferent. Ninja, mm-hmm. Ninja Scroll is huge in America. I have a wall scroll of the Ninja Scroll uh, picture of the, the cover art mm-hmm. for the anime. Um, but <sighs> it's just mm-hmm. a different society, like. I don't know. I think Bleach is huge over here, but uh, Bleach, but I don't know how big it is over there. Bleach? Yeah. Isn't Bleach still going on? It went away for a few years and it came back. Oh, okay. And I know, like, what's that bunch of One Piece is still going on? There's like a thousand episodes or some shit. There's one show that I used to watch. It was called Corpse Princess. I think I heard about that. I like that one. Oh, okay. So. I don't know. I would love an Indigo sequel. Absolutely love a Indigo sequel. I mean, but then again, we did get um, after the Vampire Hunter D movie, we did get a Vampire Hunter D Bloodless, which is a sequel. So maybe that might be possible. She was just licking him. Oh, okay. Sorry, I just break my cat. <laughs> <laughs> I was just getting ready because I think we're gonna get a, get a fight. Oh, probably. It's very me like Sabers of touching me. <laughs> Um, okay, so in my opinion, this movie still holds up. Absolutely love it. Um, I would not mind showing my daughter this movie, but when she becomes a bit older. Yeah, a little older. 
Um, what did you think about this movie? Or what? Or do you think it holds up now? Mm, no. Oh shit! So here's the thing: I like it, and mm-hmm. I think that anime lovers would like it. Mm. But as like like an outside view of someone who doesn't really follow anime, mm. I don't really think it adds any sort of real value other than okay. art. Yeah, or like that, that it looks cool. Yeah. Okay, I can see that. I can definitely see that. Yeah. Right. It wasn't bad. I'm not saying that it, it doesn't hold up because it's bad. I just mm. think it doesn't hold up because it's a little dated and mm. the storyline just isn't there. I gotcha, gotcha. Um, maybe that type of anime is not your cup of tea. Maybe you got to find more of your genre. Maybe. I mean, I like the art style. I just, it just, it's got to have a cohesive story. Yeah. I mean, because like there are like several type of anime genres, like, you know, like a dystopian future or like the schoolgirl one or like the, like the witch and demons like, kind. I actually do like Bleach. Okay. See, I don't really, see, here's the thing. Like when I got into anime, like their idea of like demon battles like this was like Wicked City. Or, like, Demon City or something like that. Like, hardcore, like, oh my god, this is terrifying. But stuff like Bleach now, it's like, this is like PG-13 bullshit. <laughs> or PG shit. Maybe. I, I just like the feeling of, uh, like, oppressive, like, oh shit, we're gonna die every time one of those things comes out. Mm. That's it. I should show you Wicked City. Wicked yeah. City's kind of violent. Like, oh, Wicked City's, like, super violent. But it, there is kind of gratuitous sex in there. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I don't care about that, but yeah, the story is. A, I don't. I think the story is a bit tighter in Wicked City. I think it makes more sense in that one than Ninja Scroll. Okay. Um. Yeah. So that's gonna be it for our show for this week. We want to thank you guys for yeah. joining us. Thank you. Um. You can catch this episode and all the past episodes on all podcast catchers. Um. None else special. I do want to hand off to Kelsey to announce what we're going to be doing up next. (laughs) (laughs) Our geriatric cinematic next week will be Robocop. Uh, And you can find that on HBO Go. Uh, The topic will be, hello, Jesus. Is that you? Cannot wait to show her this movie. I I told him I don't know what the fuck that means. So. Oh, we'll go into it. You know. We'll go into it when we watch it. Yeah. We'll go into it. Um, yeah. So, um, like I said, thank you guys for joining us. And, um, I want to share this little story that my daughter said to me. She said, Daddy, I love you. And the words that came to me were spoken from Jubei Kibogami. How long are you going to stick with me? (laughs) 